Welcome to another edition of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, the award-winning show covering fishing, hunting, conservation, destinations, and other outdoors recreation across the greater Northwest. Northwestern Outdoors is brought to you by Max Lur, Sportsman's Warehouse, Sina Sea Seafood, and Wallowa County Chamber of Commerce in the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program. And now, let's see what's happening this week with your host, John Cruz. It's been an interesting spring so far, that's for sure. As a matter of fact, winter is still holding on tight in western Wyoming and eastern Idaho, and that's not been particularly good for the wildlife. But I do think that we are going to be seeing those grasses green up soon, those wildflowers pop up, and in no time at all, we should be enjoying some very nice springtime weather. In the meantime, we've still got a whole bunch of springtime activities you can do right now. One of them is spring turkey hunting. The season is opening up this weekend in several northwestern states, and that's why we are once again reaching out to outdoors writer and avid turkey hunter Troy Rodakowski. He has got some great advice about products to use if you're going turkey hunting, especially for first-time turkey hunters who are hoping to bag a gobbler. He's also got some advice about tactics and techniques to use, too. A lot of folks have trout fishing on their mind this time of year, and that's why we'll be talking to Bob Loomis today about a great lure to use if you're going to be trolling for trout in a lake near you. After that extended Max Minute, we'll check in with Brianna Ball. She is the new public information officer for Wyoming Game and Fish. The topic is sage grouse because right now is when those sage grouse are on their leks doing their mating rituals, and it's all sorts of fun to watch them do so. But, as we said just a minute ago, the weather is posing some challenges to getting to some of those leks right now in Wyoming. However, the ones you can get to offer some great opportunities for wildlife watching. And Brianna will tell you more about how you can find out where these leks are and some of the etiquette you should use when viewing sage-grouse this spring. If you can't make it to Wyoming to view the sage-grouse, we've got other opportunities for you around the Northwest to view all sorts of different birds, and we'll tell you some places you might want to head to this week. Getting back to trout, the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife is kicking off their Lowland Lakes opener for trout, the most popular day of the year next weekend, and that's also when they kick off their annual trout derby that runs from April 22nd all the way to October 31st, and there are all sorts of prizes you can win to include a canoe from Filson of all things. Now that would be a great watercraft to do some fishing out of. In addition to this, the Idaho Department of Fish and Game needs your help to solve some poaching cases. Turns out, both near St. Mary's, home of our affiliate, KOFE, AM 1240, and in southeast Idaho, someone has been shooting swans. And you can't do that no matter what time of year it is. Throw in our Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week, which is also about trout. And I would say we've got a great show coming your way. So let's get it started, the way we always do, with another edition of Sportsman Spotlight with David Sparks. If at first you don't succeed, David Sparks, Sportsman Spotlight. Good friend Scotty Sear, with whom I play hockey about every Sunday, is an avid outdoorsman. And in this case, he tells the story of sticking to a nice bull elk missed the first one it was 50 yards dead on in a field and was just so excited and put the 50 yard pin and zipped one right off the top of his back and i was thinking what, what, what went wrong and and then i thought to myself duh he's downhill it's a downhill shot so it's the arrow it's not traveling 50 yards on the horizontal right because gravity only 
axle along the horizontal. So when he popped out to about, stepped to about 60, the, the arrow skipped off his back, stuck in a tree behind him. He actually spun around and looked at the tree where the arrow hit. And then he, he lopped over a couple leaps and he stopped and he's looking around because there were a couple cows up the hill next to me. Nothing broke. And then uh, I was able to knock another arrow. And at this point, it was game over. So that's the one that went uh, maybe 20, 25 yards. And it was it was over within, I don't know, 10 seconds. So you got him broadside? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, he was quartered towards me, looking towards yep. me a little bit. So quartered yep. two in a double lung. And it was, like I said, it was 10 seconds and he fell over. Moral to this story, Scotty is a super skilled hunter, and even experts miss their first shot once in a while. You've probably been told that to reach a millennial farmer, you have to go digital. Hmm. Facebook, Vimeo, YouTube, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, an online publication, or maybe a podcast. Hmm. But which one? Oh, and how receptive is this age group to your sales pitch during non-work social time? Maybe the best place to reach a farmer with a farming solution message is when they are, well, quite frankly, farming. You know, it's easy for us to find them during the day as most farmers are behind the wheel of a pickup truck or farm equipment with the radio on listening to this station for the Ag Information Network of the West News. If you'd like to deliver information about your terrific product or service, give us a call and we'll connect you directly with our community of loyal farmer listeners. Reach real farmers right here, right now, as they listen to what is important to their farm operation. They trust us, they'll trust you. David Sparks, Sportsman Spotlight. Did you know we actually have a sponsorship opportunity available for this show? That's right. You can be a sponsor of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, reaching thousands of listeners every week, tuning in to 69 stations in seven states. If you have a business that caters to outdoors enthusiasts, this is the platform for you, and you're going to find it's much more affordable than you think. Contact me through my website at northwesternoutdoors.com, and let's get a conversation started. That's northwesternoutdoors.com. You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz, and it is time to talk turkey because it's the middle of April. Turkey season is opening up in several northwestern states this weekend, and that's why we've got Troy Rodakowski on the line, one of my favorite guests, that outdoors writer from Junction City, Oregon, who loves to go turkey hunting. Troy, great to have you on the show. Great to be back. You know, it's my favorite time of year. It's like Christmas in the spring, man. Absolutely. And I guess i got to ask, where are you going to be hunting this weekend? I'm actually going to be hunting over here in the Willamette Valley. Normally I go over east, but the weather's been so nasty that I'm going to hunt some local birds here over in the Willamette and in the oak thickets and see how we do. Well, knowing you, you'll do just fine. I always thought that southwest Oregon, though, down by Roseburg, Douglas County, that that was the hot spot for turkey hunting in Oregon. It is. They actually, the ODFW traps a lot of turkeys and relocates them from there. Douglas County is actually, they consider it the turkey capital of the state of Oregon. But we're not far, and turkey populations are expanding. And so it's pretty exciting with uh, how the turkey hunting's coming along here in the state. And you mentioned you usually go east. What part of uh, central or eastern Oregon is good for turkey hunting? 
so there's quite a few areas over there. Uh, the Blue Mountains are great. Everywhere up in the northeast corner, up in the little Grand Imbler area is great. Uh, you've got the Central Oregon, Ochico's, you know, uh, the Grizzly Unit, John Day. Lots of locations over there, a whole of quite a few turkeys, and the turkey populations are doing pretty good over there in the mountains. And a lot more people are getting into turkey hunting, but I've got to admit, it's kind of a confusing thing when it comes to the gear, and I guess we'll start off talking about what you would recommend for beginning turkey hunters when it comes to coals. So, for example, you've got the, the glass calls that you scratch with a stick, you've got the, uh, the push-button calls, you've got the box calls, you've got the mouth calls. What is a beginning turkey hunter to do when it comes to calls? I say for all beginning turkey hunters, get something that's really easy. Get something like a, a box call and practice with it. Get really good with your Yelps. And, you know, a push-button call is uh, a no-brainer. It's really uh, easy to use. And kind of listen to other turkeys and uh, wild turkeys and maybe, you know, videos on YouTube or hunting shows and listen to turkeys and listen to the sounds they make. And then from there you can progress to uh, slate calls and mouth calls and, you know, other calls like that that are a little more difficult to make the right sounds on. Let's talk about calling itself. Now, you and I have done a number of interviews over the years about duck hunting and how overcalling can go ahead and, and actually turn off the birds. When it comes to early season turkey hunting, are you pretty aggressive with the calls or are you pretty muted? Well, basically, you got to just you know, pick up what the temperature of the birds are. If they're calling a lot and they're really noisy, you can be just as loud and noisy right back. A good rule of thumb for a lot of people, what I like to tell them is, is if you get a, a turkey that's interested, especially like a hen and she's yelping and you yelp back, just yelp back the exact same three or four notes that she yelps back at you. If she's going to go yelp, 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 and then you yelp, 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 yelp right back at her. If you got a gobbler that'll gobble, what you want to do is yelp or cut or purr or cluck just enough to get him to keep gobbling keep him interested you don't want to just overdo it if he's silent it usually means he's probably moving towards you when they're gobbling they're usually fairly stationary so if, if he's gobbling he's not really probably moving your direction if he gobbles and then you don't hear anything for a minute or two don't panic he's probably coming your way speaking of coming your way we got to talk about camouflage because turkeys do have some pretty good eyesight are you the sort of hunter that just leans up against a tree or do you employ a, a ground blind and if so what kind of ground blind all of the above. I, it just depends on the scenario. I honestly like to hunt without a blind and find a good spot, you know, and kind of be mobile and be able to move and cut the distance between birds. But if you have a good flock of birds that you've scouted and you kind of know what patterns are using, ground blinds are excellent. And camouflage is the ultimate importance with turkeys. I've seen turkeys four or 500 yards away on a ridge that have spotted me walking down a trail and they're gone. I mean, their eyesight's impeccable. I mean, it's, it's, it's basically their biggest defense mechanism. So you gotta make sure to hold really still and be very blended with your surroundings. There is one exception to this, and I've seen these, well, I guess you'll call them turkey fans. It basically is like a, a picture of a turkey you hold out in front of you as you approach the bird. Hard to believe these work, but they apparently do. They do. I, You know, I've never done that myself, but it's becoming, like you said, more and more popular. I'm not going to say, you know, uh, pro or con for or against them. You know, there's been situations where guys have gotten shot because they've been mistaken as a turkey stalking behind one of those things. Oh boy. 
So I'm not going to condone it, but, you know, I'm, I know it works. But you don't think you're going to catch me out there behind a fan going towards one. So Hard to believe that a hunter can make that mistake and shoot a person walking behind a turkey fan. But you know what? Unfortunately, uh, yeah, I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised to hear this. Now, let's talk about something else here. Decoys. Do you use decoys? And if so, what type? I usually try to keep it pretty simple. I do use decoys. My favorite decoys are like a Jake decoy and a breeding hen decoy. You know, a lot of people will use uh, a full-on set a gobbler and a couple hens and a couple jakes, but you don't have to get too elaborate on your decoy setup. Turkeys are looking to be with other turkeys, and if they find or see your decoy, you've won the battle, whether you have four of them out there or one or none. I mean, a lot of times, not even having a decoy is better because they're really looking and really curious to find that other bird and a lot of times it plays right into your you know your scenario where you're going to get an opportunity to make a shot on one all right one other thing when it comes to beginning turkey hunting you know folks we've given them some ideas of where to go in the state of oregon and obviously turkey hunting is open in other states too what's the best advice you would give to the beginning turkey hunter to have success the biggest bit of advice I can tell any turkey hunter, and this is probably, I mean, even for, even guys that have done this for a long time, veterans, you got to have a lot of patience. If you think that you haven't sat in a spot long enough and you've heard a turkey gobble and you think that turkey's gone, just wait a little bit longer. Just have patience with turkeys is key. If you want success with turkeys, you're going to have to have a lot of patience. It doesn't happen always right away. I mean, yes, you'll have a hot gobbler that will run right in and you get a shot and it's over just like that. But for the most part, you need to have patience. They're very wary birds. And so they're always looking for danger, and they're usually going to take their time coming in, you know. So patience is key uh, to be successful in the turkey woods. Last question, what type of shot do you use for your 12-gauge when it comes to turkey hunting? So I use a a blend, a four, five, six blend in mine. You know, it's a, a federal blend. Remington does the same thing. The main thing with turkey shot out of any shotgun is go out and pattern your shotgun before you go turkey hunting because there's so many different brands of shot shells out there, turkey loads that are being produced nowadays. You want to make sure that that gun's going to shoot accurately at the range that you're going to be hunting your turkeys at and know how that pattern, you know, hits at a certain range before you go out and I think that's the key most hunters need to get out there before season and do that and that'll definitely help with success in the woods Uh, I couldn't agree more and I've had that exact experience where I've shot we'll say like a federal load and then I'll shoot a Remington load and the pattern's completely different so it is very valuable to go out and do that beforehand folks if you want to get some more tips about turkey hunting pick up the latest copy of Northwest Sportsman magazine Troy's got a great article in there about spring turkey hunting and you know stay tuned as always to the show because as you know Troy is becoming a regular guest that we love to talk hunting with Troy thanks as always for sharing your wisdom with our listeners on Northwestern Outdoors Radio Thanks a lot, John, and uh, happy hunting.
Located in the northeast corner of Oregon, Wallowa County offers a unique destination rich in natural beauty and outdoors recreation. Enjoy the clear waters of Wallowa Lake. Take a tram to the top of Mount Howard for million-dollar views. Hike or ride into the Eagle Cap Wilderness and fish or raft the Wallowa and Grand Ronde Rivers. It's all waiting for you in beautiful Wallowa County. Plan your visit today at WallowaCountyChamber.com. That's WallowaCountyChamber.com. Anglers are getting a raise this year with the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program and the fish are biting. Here's how it works. First, register at a pike minnow station along the Columbia or Snake River. Next, go fishing for pike minnow and bring back all of them that measure 9 inches or longer. The fish are worth 6 8 or $10, and the more fish you catch, the more each one is worth. Keep an eye out for tagged fish, too, because those are worth 500 bucks. Go fishing, make money, and have fun. Find out more at pikeminnow.org. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio and to an extended Max Minute, brought to you by Max Lur. It's time for another Max Two Minute Drill, and with the Lowland Lakes Trout Opener coming up in Washington and trout fishing already happening in our other northwestern states, we thought we'd bring Bob Loomis back to give us some suggestions on how to catch him. Bob, great to have you back on the air. Thanks, John. So, Lowland Lakes, a lot of excitement, most popular day of the year in Washington State for anglers, and a lot of them are going to just be dunking power bait off the bank, but a lot of folks will be in boats too. What do you suggest they use? Well, you know, for out trolling, you know, for our Lowland Lakes, for these rainbows, you can't beat the tried and true wedding ring double whammy. I'm talking about the original classic. It's a double hook setup for trolling. And you've got the high UV beads on it and the wedding ring band, a little number three Indiana metal blade on there. And you know what? It's been around for 55 years for a reason. It catches fish. Now, do most folks just troll it using a little keel weight or maybe even split shot? Because I know most of these trout are going to be in the upper part of the water column. Yeah, just put on a little bit of lead. You know, some people like fishing them with a dodger or like the flashlights, stuff like that, for, you know, attracting fish from further away. And both of them work very, very well. Some people like fishing the wedding rings just straight with a piece of lead, just getting it under the surface. The one thing you want to make sure and do is just make sure that you get back far enough away from the boat so that those fish, when they come back into that boat path, you know, your gear is coming through there. Last question, that would be preferred bait. Are you a salmon egg guy? Are you a power egg guy? Or just a good old nightcrawler guy? When I'm fishing the uh, Double Whammy Originals, I like actually fishing nightcrawlers. Those two hooks are perfect for that. Yeah, that works perfect. All right, we'll look for the Double Whammy, the classic with the metal blade, online at maxlure.com or at quality sporting goods departments and stores all over the Northwest.
Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter and has what you need as a hunter, angler, hiker, paddler, camper, and outdoors enthusiast. They also carry an extensive assortment of firearms and ammunition you simply can't find anymore at many big box stores. On top of that, their knowledgeable staff is here to help you purchase the right gear so you can get the most out of your outdoor experience. Visit your local Sportsman's Warehouse store today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. A seafood bounty is waiting for you on northwest Oregon's Tillamook Coast. Catch a limit of big salmon, haul up a pot of delicious crab, plan your visit today at TillamookCoast.com. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. Our next stop is the Cowboy State of Wyoming because this is the time of year that the sage grouse start strutting their stuff. And they're doing it as part of mating rituals. After all, spring is in the air, even though there's still a lot of snow on the ground in Wyoming. Well, it's here to tell you more about viewing sage grouse during this time of year is Brianna Ball. She is the new public information officer for Wyoming Game and Fish. Brianna, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So folks will go to something called a lek to see sage grouse, generally in the early morning hours, strut around the male sage grouse trying to uh, find some female sage grouse to impress. Well, let's start off with what the heck is a lek? Absolutely. Yes, it's a great dramatic display of communal dancing that the males do where they puff up their air sacs in their chest and they create popping noises. There's also a really cool swishing sound from the wings brushing across their filled air sacs. And males attend the lex from around mid-March to mid-May, but this can depend on weather and elevation. So the lek is a communal breeding ground, and how does it differ from any other piece of sagebrushy real estate in Wyoming? Yeah, so as we know, sage grouse, they depend on sagebrush, but when they are doing their communal dancing, they're actually doing it in more of an open area where the public is actually able to view the dancing going on. So how can just Joe Average outdoors enthusiasts who wants to see these mating rituals of the sage grouse, how do they figure out where these leks are? That's a great question. Game and Fish launched uh, the Sage Grouse Lex Viewing Guide. It is on our website, and it takes you and points you to the directions of where you can view this going on. But right now, we do want to remind folks that with these really intense kind of winters that we've been having, that some of these roads might be drifted with snow or experiencing wet, muddy conditions. And this might actually be kind of these conditions that are going to occur well into summer. Wow. Yeah, you definitely had a hard winter out there. We were covering the effects of this winter on your western pronghorn and mule deer herds. Not such a good situation. Let's talk a little bit about viewing etiquette, though, for those leks you can get to. There's certain do's and don'ts. Why don't you run through what some of those are? So you definitely want to arrive at a lex site at least one hour before sunrise. You want to make sure you're parking away from the edge of the lek, and definitely you don't want to drive onto that lek either. Um, you want to make sure you give them plenty of distance. Um, you want to also make sure that you turn off your vehicle lights and engine. We do recommend that you use binoculars and spotting scopes to observe the birds. If you can, try to stay in your vehicle and avoid making loud noises or sudden movements. And, you know, 
we all love when our dogs tag along with us outdoors, but we do recommend that you leave your pets at home just to avoid any further disturbances of what's going on on the lek. Rihanna, let's talk about timing. Uh, During a normal year, when is mating season for the sage grouse, and and what's the best time of year to go out and and see them strut their stuff? Yeah, so we do recommend that the public be especially cautious with viewing activities in early April. That's when breeding activity usually peaks, and so we kind of want to let them do their thing. We do recommend that late April is a really good time to go out and visit because most of the breeding is complete, but the males are still actively strutting. And not to mention the weather is usually a lot better too. Well, there you go, folks. Now you know exactly when to go see those sage grouse strut their stuff. Let's talk a little bit more about the sage grouse itself. I've only come across them one time, and that was down in southeast Oregon. Flushed, uh, I guess you'd say, a covey of them. And man, oh man, those are huge birds. Right, yeah, and they make such a, some really cool noises as well. And how is the the sage-grouse population in Wyoming? You know, we are concerned about sage-grouse populations, so we are closely monitoring the numbers and implementing the governor's executive order when we're evaluating methods to gain that additional harvest data. And spring lek counts, they play a huge role in forming our data. So this year, I think we'll get a better idea of how maybe this winter has impacted sage-grouse, and we will publish that data later this year. Is there a sage-grouse hunting season in Wyoming in the fall? We do offer the opportunity for folks to hunt sage grouse. You know, not only does hunting provide Wyoming sportsmen and women an opportunity to hunt, but those license dollars go back to the management of sage grouse. In addition, harvest data like the wing submission program um, that our hunters participate in provide important management data for sage grouse. I guess I should have looked this up before I got you on the phone, but I'll ask, do you need to draw a tag or have a permit to go after sage grouse, or can just anybody with a valid bird hunting license go after them? There is a designated season, um, and you do have to have a license to harvest sage grouse, so that's something that folks definitely need to pay attention to, and all of that information is on our website. So is that... An application and draw process like it is for big game? In other words, is there a guarantee you're going to get a sage-grouse license or is it like any other big game tag you may or may not? Yeah, you can actually purchase your license on our website. There's no draw system associated with it. Well, I'll mm-hmm. tell you what, folks, this sounds like all sorts of fun, whether you want to hunt sage-grouse in the fall or just view them during the spring when they're going through these mating rituals, and that would be an incredible sight to see on an early April or May morning. Check out the Wyoming Game and Fish website and find out where these leks are. Make plans to go see them this spring. Bring your camera, bring your video camera, and enjoy some of what nature and the sage-grouse have to offer. Brianna, thank you so much for sharing this with us today on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Thanks for having me. Sticking with wildlife watching, you can also watch swans and snow geese right now, though the opportunity for the snow geese is fast disappearing. Uh, case in point is Freeze Out Lake in central Montana. This is the time of year when you usually have all sorts of snow geese and swans, both trumpeter swans and tundra swans, present here. And as of April 5th, there was actually 88,000 snow geese that were at this lake, along with nearly 1,200 swans. Well, the weather is getting nicer, and those geese are flying north as of 
April 8th, there was only 2,500 of them left. So if you head out there this weekend, you might see a few, but they might all be gone. On the other hand, there was still 874 tundra and trumpeter swans out there. And you know there's going to be all sorts of other waterfowl too. So head on out to Freeze Out Lake in central Montana. And another place to go would be the Columbia National Wildlife Refuge. I visited there with a friend. Saw that the big raft of snow geese out on Potholes Reservoir is decreasing, though there was still several thousand of them there last Saturday. And down on the Columbia National Wildlife Refuge, didn't see swans like I was expecting. Did see quite a few waterfowl, primarily mud hens and mallards and northern shoveler, but did get to see some sandhill cranes. Always enjoy seeing those big birds. I did notice that with the long winter, things aren't as greened up as they usually are in April, but I suspect those wildflowers will be popping up pretty soon here, and that grass is going to be greening up as well. And I'm not alone in that observation. Checking with the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife, places that would normally be hot spots for waterfowl and wildlife viewing right now aren't yet. Places like Malheur National Wildlife Refuge in Harney County and the Summer Lake Wildlife Area in Lake County are both still seeing quite a few wintering birds and not too many spring arrivals yet. But if you go a little further south to the Klamath Marsh and the Klamath Wildlife Area, well, spring is definitely arriving and so are those migrating birds. So lots of birds to see there and lots of raptors too. And speaking of raptors, another great place to go that would be the Snake River Canyon, south of Boise, where you can see a whole bunch of prairie falcons looking for prey. Might see some other raptors, too. I've even seen golden eagles down there, and right now is a great time of year to go. So whether you want to see raptors or waterfowl or sandhill cranes or other birds, get on out to a wildlife area or refuge near you, explore our public lands, and bring your binoculars and camera, too. This portion of the show was brought to you by our friends at Cena Sea Seafoods. That's the company that delivers delicious, wild-caught Alaskan seafood right to your door. Everything from copper river sockeye salmon to halibut to sable fish and even king crab legs. Better still, they are offering a 10% discount to our listeners. If you want to take advantage of that, go to SinaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SinaSea.com, and put in the promo code OUTDOORSRADIO. Once you do that, you get 10% off your entire order. The website again, SinaSea.com, and the promo code for 10% off, OUTDOORSRADIO. I'm gonna take you fishing, honey. You're gonna love it. Gonna get up before the sun rise above us. Got a bamboo pole and a leaky boat. It ain't much, but if you bail, it'll float. I'm gonna take you fishing. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Next weekend is the Lowland Lakes opener in Washington State. It's the most popular day to go fishing of the entire year. All sorts of folks are going to be after trout that have been stocked in these lakes and holdover trout from last year, too. And they're also going to be participating in the annual Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife Trout Derby, where you can win all sorts of prizes. With us here to tell you more about this annual event is Steve Caramile. He is the Inland Fish Program Manager for WDFW. Steve, great to have you back on the air. John, it's great to be back with you guys. So for our listeners who are not aware of how the Trout Derby works, why don't you go ahead and break it down? 
Yeah, so we've been doing this trout derby since 2016. So we're in the eighth year of doing this. And what we do is we tag, you know, a handful of rainbow trout and we put them into about 100, 110 lakes around the state. And this year it's a blue, we'll call them Floyd tags. They're about the size of a piece of spaghetti, about two inches long. It's got a number on the back of it. And you look at that number and you jump onto the website wdfwderby.com and you put that number in and either you get a prize directly from us that we're holding for a vendor or we send you directly to the vendor to pick the prize. So how many vendors are participating this year and what's the the total prize money out there? Oh wow so you know this year we have a total of 86 vendors and it's that hasn't changed that much over the past couple of years. And, you know, and these vendors, you know, they're anything from some of our licensed dealers to, you know, to local markets or local hardware stores as well. Um, the total prize value this year is just under $43,000. Nice. Yeah, it's really nice. And that's about 875 prizes. And once again, let me just, you know, our staff do a great job with this derby. You know, our hatchery staff. You know, tagging and putting fish in the water, our licensing staff, you know, going out and reaching out to the vendors. But really, I mean, if it wasn't for the vendors here, I mean, this derby wouldn't even exist. So really, the, they're the true heroes of the derby. I know a lot of the, the prizes are going to be gift cards to various stores and businesses, but are there any prizes that really stand out? So, yeah, there are. I mean, so you're right. I think a, a lot of the prizes are $25, $50 gift cards to, you know, let's say something like Cabela's or one of your local tackle shops. We also have, you know, prizes that are, you know, just fishing tackle, things like that, fishing rods. The big prize this year is a canoe, and that's being um, donated by Filson. So those stays look pretty interesting. I see one of the resorts participating is good old Offutt Lake Resort down in Thurston County, very popular fishing spot. Is that where one of the overnight stays is? No. So Offutt Lake Resort, they do a lot of, I mean, they have a restaurant there and they also do uh, boat rentals. And, you know, they have one of our net pens at their resort. So, you know, they release fish from their net pen. But I think those are mostly going to be for boat rentals. So here's a question for you. How many tag fish generally are caught and turned in in terms of a percentage every year? So, you know, lake by lake, you know, we have some lakes where, you know, like one or two of the tags will get caught and we have some where all of them will get caught. But in general, if you just for an overall average, you know, about 60% of our tags get turned in. And, you know, if you jump on the website once again, wdfwderby.com you can go and it'll give you of the list of lakes and if you click on each lake it'll actually tell you how many tags are there and how many have been turned in which is a great resource i absolutely love this here's another question for you you know it's blue tags this year but what if someone catches a fish that was tagged in a previous year is that tag worth anything at all could they get last year's prize that was donated or not no, unfortunately, you cannot. So, uh, and we do have this happen just about every year. Someone will turn in a tag from the previous year. And the Derby that runs from opening day, so this year that's the 22nd, it'll run all the way through the end of the uh, opening day lake season, which is going to be October 31st. And after that, uh, the prizes go away. 
One of the reasons you're doing this is to increase license sales. I did notice that you have to have a, a permanent license to participate in this derby. If you have a temporary license, uh, you know, a one day or a three day, that doesn't count, does it? No, that doesn't count. And, you know, also uh, kids uh, that do not require fishing licenses, so your grandkids that are, uh, you know, under the age of 15, they can still participate in the derby even though they don't have a quote-unquote valid fishing license because one's not required for them. All right. Are there any other rules or things folks should know about participating in the WDFW Trout Derby this year? You know, there's no other rules other than, you know, you need to follow the rules of fishing. I absolutely. Definitely want to adhere to the rules and uh, not break any of those regulations. Otherwise, instead of turning in a blue tag, you might get a uh, little white citation instead from a friendly enforcement officer. We don't want that to happen. So <laughs> no, get out there, have not. fun, follow the rules. With any luck, you're going to reel in a fish with a blue tag. And if you're really lucky, it's going to have a blue tag that's going to get you a canoe from Filson, which would be absolutely amazing. The website to go to, again, WDF. WDFWDerby.com. That's WDFWDerby.com. Check out all the lakes. There's one in virtually every county. In fact, Steve, I think the only county I didn't see one in was San Juan County. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think the only one uh, we used to have a lake in San Juan County, but there's very few opening day lakes out that way. Well, there you go. That explains that. But in the meantime, folks, if you live just about anywhere else in the state, there's definitely a lake near you where you can participate in this trout derby. And again, Go fishing and take the family with you. It's going to be a lot of fun trying to catch one of those tag trout. Steve, thanks for sharing this with us today on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. A lot of folks are going to be taking home some trout on the opener. And I'll tell you what, you know, those holdovers that have been in the lakes for quite a while, they taste pretty good, but not a huge fan of those just-released hatchery trout. The meat tends to be more whitish gray than pink. And personally... If I'm going to eat fish, I want some really good tasting fish. And that's why you'll find me ordering from Sina Sea Seafood. After all, they deliver wild-caught Alaskan seafood right to your door. They catch it in the cold waters of Alaska in sustainable fisheries, package it with care in meal-sized portions, and again, they deliver it right to your door. So you can enjoy a fantastic meal, anything from Copper River Sockeye Salmon to Chinook Salmon to Coho Salmon. Or, if you prefer, there's Halibut and Sablefish, too. And don't forget their shellfish. they still got some Beardye Snow Crab available, and that has been really hard to find. So, if you would rather have top-notch quality seafood instead of some recently released hatchery rainbow trout, go to SinaSea.com. That's the website, S-E-N-A-S-E-A. SinaSea.com and use the promo code OUTDOORSRADIO for 10% off your entire order. Stick around, we've got more of the great outdoors coming your way to include your Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week where you get a chance to win a $25 gift card from America's Premier Outfitter. Gonna get up before the sun Rise above us Got a bamboo pole and a leaky boat it ain't much, but if you bail, it'll float. I'm gonna take you fishing, honey. You're gonna love it. 
Anglers are getting a raise this year with the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program and the fish are biting. Here's how it works. First, register at a pike minnow station along the Columbia or Snake River. Next, go fishing for pike minnow and bring back all of them that measure 9 inches or longer. The fish are worth 6 8 or $10, and the more fish you catch, the more each one is worth. Keep an eye out for tagged fish, too, because those are worth 500 bucks. Go fishing, make money, and have fun. Find out more at pikeminnow.org. Did you know we actually have a sponsorship opportunity available for this show? That's right. You can be a sponsor of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, reaching thousands of listeners every week, tuning in to 69 stations in seven states. If you have a business that caters to outdoors enthusiasts, this is the platform for you, and you're going to find it's much more affordable than you think. Contact me through my website at northwesternoutdoors.com, and let's get a conversation started. That's northwesternoutdoors.com. In today's news, I'm cooking a brisket. Let's go to Jill at my house to see how it's going. This is your house and you brought me and the crew to check on your brisket? That's correct, Jill. How's it looking? This is a Camp Chef Woodwind Wi-Fi. You know you, you can check your cook right from your phone, right? I didn't know that was an option, Jill. Well, never mind. But before you leave, can you feed the dog? What? No, no. When we get back, why is my check engine light on? The answer may shock me. Come explore the Dalles in Oregon for outdoors fun. Hike amongst the wildflowers, bike our riverfront trail, or visit the Gorge Discovery Center where you can enjoy a live raptor display, or even check out our National Neon Sign Museum. But don't forget the fishing. We've got salmon, steelhead, bass, walleye, and monster-sized sturgeon waiting just for you. When the day is done, tell those tall tales at one of our wineries, breweries, or restaurants, and plan your next adventure. Find out more at explorethedalles.com. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter with the gear you need for fishing, hunting, camping, paddling, cooking, and just about anything else you can do in the woods or in the water. With over 125 stores across America, there is bound to be a Sportsman's Warehouse near you with not only the gear you need, but also the experts to help you get the most out of the product you purchase. Head down to your local Sportsman's Warehouse today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. That's sportsmans.com. Before we go today, we've got time for one last shot of Northwestern Outdoors Radio with your host, John Cruz. I'm glad you're back. Unfortunately, we've got a couple of poaching cases to tell you about in Idaho, and the Idaho Department of Fish and Game needs your help in solving them. The first one took place near St. Mary's the weekend of March 25th and 26th. Idaho Fish and Game officers got a report that there were six tundra swans that were killed in a flooded field about a mile north of St. Mary's. The birds had all been shot and left to waste. Meanwhile, in Bear Lake County in southeast Idaho, Idaho Conservation Officer Colby White received a report of a dead swan floating in the Bear River near the bridge on Pescadero Lane west of Bennington. When he got there and pulled the swan out of the water, he saw that it had been shot, and the shooters were actually standing on the bridge when they did it. Multiple rifle casings were found there. What's worse, according to White, is that there's been a number of senseless killings in the region, from a bald eagle shot and burned last fall to a mule deer in the Oneida Narrows last month, and then this trumpeter swan. Don't know whether there's any 
connection to these incidents, but if you have any information about any of them, please contact the Idaho Department of Fish and Game or reach out to the Citizens Against Poaching hotline. You can remain anonymous with your information and be eligible for a reward for information that leads to an arrest. Poachers, no reason to protect them, all sorts of reasons to stop them. Do your part if you have any info. And now it's time for your Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week. And it's about trout, since we've been talking a lot about that recently. Turns out three states in our listening area all have the same fish as their state fish. Those states would be Wyoming, Idaho, and Montana. And here's your question. What kind of trout is the state fish for these three states? Is it the rainbow trout? Is it the German brown trout? Or is it the cutthroat trout? If you know the answer, you know what to do. Just go to our website at northwesternoutdoors.com and shoot us an email with your answer. Or if you want, you can go to our Facebook page at Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Like and follow the page. Look for the post thread where we have the question and give us your answer there. As always, one lucky person who guesses right wins a $25 gift card from Sportsman's Warehouse, which will come in handy for buying some spinners, spoons, or flies to catch some trout this spring. And with that, it is time to go. But here's hoping that you have a wonderful April. Lots going on between turkey hunting and trout fishing. Bass and walleye fishing's going off too. And oh yeah, there's some great wildlife watching to take advantage of as well. So until next time, do take care, God bless, and make it a point to spend some time outdoors. 